0: You are Locked On Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team
1: every day. What is good, Huda Nation and Huda family? Welcome into this crossover Thursday episode of Locked On Saints, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here every single Monday through Friday, five days a week, covering your New Orleans Saints. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. I have a lot to be excited about, as do we all when it comes to New Orleans Saints potentially getting Michael Thomas back this weekend. But more details on that in a moment. Pepsi is refreshment that you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi. Made for football watching on today's episode. Michael Thomas remains limited on the injury report, but now with a new injury and four Saints did not practice on Wednesday. We'll get you up to date on the Saints injury report. Then I'm joined by Bill Rossetti of Locked on Panthers for our Locked on crossover Thursday episode ahead of the big game on Sunday. The Saints will have fans in the dome, but will they have enough to limit the surprising Carolina Panthers team? Bill and I talked Teddy Bridgewater, Michael Thomas and why the Saints have the clear advantage in the trenches. As always, I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson, Nola on Twitter, editor over at Canal Chronicles.com and your Tuesday co-host on the National Locked On NFL Podcast. We got all that and a little bit of Lanyap for you on today's episode of Locked On Saints, your team every day. The New Orleans Saints released their first injury report ahead of their Week 7 matchup against the Carolina Panthers, and a surprise addition for Michael Thomas, who is limited today, now having an ankle and hamstring injury on the docket. That's our New Orleans Saints lead story of the day today with Ross Jackson of Locked on Saints. So the big news that you're all going to hear over the course of this week, or at least until the next injury report comes out, is that Michael Thomas is listed as limited for the Wednesday practice, not only with his ankle injury, but also with a hamstring injury that was not previously listed during the last time that he practiced while the Saints were releasing injury reports ahead of the week five game against the Los Angeles Chargers. In the midst of that, though, four players did not participate in practice. Teron Armstead with a hand injury, Nick Easton with a concussion that knocked him out of the game against the Chargers, and Benny Fowler with a shoulder injury, and JT Gray with a hamstring injury. Hamstrings seem to be the Achilles heel, no pun intended for the New Orleans Saints so far this season. We've got JT Gray not practicing with a hamstring injury. Michael Thomas limited with a hamstring. Justin Hardy was also limited with a hamstring, but good news, Janoris Jenkins and Deontay Harris. Janoris Jenkins was dealing with a shoulder injury. Deontay Harris with a, you guessed it, hamstring injury, both full participation at practice on Wednesday. So good to get those guys back. Janoris Jenkins, of course, a key piece in the secondary for the Saints, working opposite Marshawn Lattimore. So very good to get him back. And then, of course, getting Deontay Harris back, even though Marquez Calloway performed very well as the primary returner for the Saints last week against the Los Angeles Chargers. You still just always feel like Deontay Harris is going to break one, and he's so much fun to watch. So good to see him back to full participation as well. A couple of names uh, missing off of the injury report here. Marshawn Lattimore and Marcus Davenport. That's good news. That means that they were full go with no injury designation. So hopefully they can remain that way throughout this week so they can get back out on the field against the Carolina Panthers. The Panthers injury report, on the other hand, not as lengthy as the New Orleans Saints, but there's a lot of hidden things to consider when it comes to who's going to be available for this game on Sunday. For the Panthers, four players limited for practice, including wide receiver Curtis Samuel with a knee injury, defensive tackle Zach Kerr with a toe injury, starting cornerback Dante Jackson with a toe injury, and guard John Miller with an ankle injury. They also had three players return to full participation, with the headliner being Mike Davis, who was dealing with an ankle injury, and cornerback Eli Apple with a hamstring injury. Many Saints fans would love to see him get out on the field, especially if Dante Jackson, for whatever reason, can't go by the end of this week. They also had their backup running back Trenton Cannon listed as full with a neck injury. But this isn't fully representative of what the Carolina Panthers roster looks like right now. Christian McCaffrey, Yeter Gross Matos, and Justin Burris are all on the injured reserve list. You've also got Kawan Short and Keith Kirkwood that are done for the season. And now four players listed on the reserve COVID-19 list, including two offensive linemen and their kicker, Joey Sly, which could be a big deal for this team who only scores three points less than the opponents that they've faced so far, and a New Orleans Saints only outscoring their opponents so far this season by three points themselves. So keep an eye out over on Twitter at Ross Jackson NOLA for more injury updates later on today on Thursday, as well as throughout the day on Friday. And we'll keep you up to date with everything going on with both the New Orleans Saints and the Carolina Panthers heading into this game at noon Central Time on Sunday. Uh, Coming up next, we're going to be joined by Bill Rossetti of Locked on Panthers to help preview the Saints and Panthers game. We got that coming up for our Locked on crossover as we do every Thursday. But real quick, want to shout out the homie Jake Madison over at Locked on Pels. The Pelicans did hire a new coach this week. They brought in Stan Van Gundy. If you're a Pelicans fan and you want to get the lowdown on the new hire, go and check him out over at Locked on Pelicans wherever it is that you get your podcast. And while the Pelicans are working on getting their coaching staff built up and New Orleans Saints are trying to get right as well after a bumpy start to the season, maybe you've got some adjustments that you need to make as well for your vehicle or your ride. And there's a great place that's going to help you do that. It's rockauto.com. And today's episode is, of course, brought to you by rockauto.com, our good friends over there. It's a family business. They've been helping auto parts customers online for 20 years, so you know they know what they're talking about. Hit up the website, and you can see the catalog and the user-friendly interface of everything that you need that's easy to find. You just select your make, your model, then the year of your vehicle, and then bam, whatever parts you need, you've got several different options for that part, as well as a fraction of the prices which you might pay at one of those chain dealerships that you can go and hit up from around the corner. Best of all, you can do it from the comfort of your own home, from your couch, from your office, wherever you might be, on your phone, on your computer. They can help you out over at rockauto.com. And when you go, don't forget to let them know that Locked On sent you by writing Locked On in the How'd You Hear About Us section, amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. All right, y'all. It is Thursday, so I can mean only one thing. It is crossover Thursday time here across the Locked On Podcast Network. You know how we roll. It's the local experts on the biggest stories. And the biggest story this week is the New Orleans Saints taking on the Carolina Panthers. going to be hosting them to the tune of 3,000 people in the stadium. And to help us break that all down, you've got myself, Ross Jackson, with Locked On Saints, and Bill Rossetti at Bill underscore Rossetti on Twitter from Locked On Panthers. Bill, good to talk to you, buddy. Always a pleasure. How are you, man?
0: Same same to you, Ross. Always good to talk to you, man. You're one of my boys here at the network.
1: Hey, straight back to you, man. Straight back to you. Always a pleasure to do it. And now, you got one of my boys, Bill. you got one of my boys on that team, Teddy Bridgewater. Starting quarterback now of the Carolina Panthers, dare I say it, has been much better than people maybe expected him to be in this role. How's he looking so far?
0: Yeah, you know, it was a, it was a strong first few weeks. He obviously slipped up a little bit, you know, not all his fault, but the offense kind of in a way came back down to earth, I guess a little bit. I don't even know if I want to go that far, but I, I guess we can kind of use that term sure. uh, in Sunday's loss against the Bears, but um you know, through a couple of interceptions, even at a pick six that was called back uh, due to a penalty, was sacked four times. So overall it was a just a down day for the Panthers offense on Sunday. But, you know, the first five games before that, Bridgewater, I, I kept saying, has been doing a nice job of taking care of the football. He had only thrown, you know, a few interceptions. They've mm-hmm. hardly turned the ball over. Teddy, I think, has been more than just a, a game manager. You know, we obviously saw what he did last year you know, with you guys with the Saints, those five games that he covered, Drew Brees. And I think he's kind of carried that over to the Panthers this year. And, you know, the Panthers obviously went out and they got all these free agent wide receivers to help them get kind of comfortable in the offense and give them some weapons to throw to. We obviously know the connection that was there with Joe Brady, right. you know, yeah. in New Orleans and that whole thing. So overall, I think it's been a, uh, a fine start to the season and, you know, certainly more than I think we uh, – could have expected for the first six weeks, especially with all these new faces coming together and the new offense and this, that, and the other thing, and you know, of course, the whole not having as much practice as you normally have. Da 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 da. So overall, I, I think you have to be quite pleased. I mean, I don't think a lot, a lot of people expected three and three uh, through the first six weeks for this team. So I, I'm, uh, I, I'd say, Panthers fans have to be pretty pleased so far with uh, what's, what's been going on so far.
1: Yeah, I have to imagine that there's maybe some sort of a, a rejuvenated hope amongst Panthers fans, even if not mm-hmm. for this season, even just looking ahead to what they have here, because you've got, you know, Teddy Bridgewater there on a three year deal. You've got Matt Rule there leading the charge. You've got Joe Brady, who you mentioned as well over on the offensive side. Let's stick over in the offensive side of the ball. This is a team that has found a way to win, even without Christian McCaffrey. The, the expectation is that Christian McCaffrey will not be available for the Saints game how have they been able to remain successful on the offensive side without him as a part of their uh, their attack there
0: yeah i mean you obviously have to give a lot of credit to mike davis he's uh, really kind of given that veteran leadership he's run pretty well and you know it's really been nice to see the way they've utilized him out of the backfield in the pass catching game i mean you know going into sunday's game against the bears the guy had already almost 30 catches uh, since he took over in the fourth quarter of week two. And I mean he had eight catches in that Bucks game and he didn't even come in really until the fourth quarter. And the Panthers, mm-hmm. you know, have just, you know, done a nice job of getting him you know, getting him involved in the out of the backfield, similar to Christian McCaffrey, you know, so the offense really hasn't skipped a beat. Um but the offensive line, I think you know, has really stepped up over the last couple weeks. Obviously, again, Sunday was a bit of a rough stretch, but, you know, the Bears sport a a really strong defensive line, as you know. But... You know, guys like Chris Reed have really stepped up and taken over that left guard spot. Obviously, Russell Kong has been uh, really strong at left tackle when he's been available. You know, Greg Little in the uh, the spot starts that he had uh, against the Chargers and the Cardinals kind of held his own and, you know, showed that there's still some developing to do, but he's moving in the right direction Um you know, from where he was as a rookie when all those injuries and those concussions kind of derailed him a little bit. So that's the, that's I think the spot that's been most impressive to me and one of the biggest reasons why they've been so successful is, the offensive line is kind of gelled together. I mean, even John Miller, you know, a guy that's bounced around the league the last couple of years, uh, you know, coming over this year as a free agent from the Bengals, he's been pretty solid as well at the right tackle, or at the right guard position, excuse me, and then Taylor Moten at right tackle is just uh, continuing to be dominant. It still baffles me why they haven't given him a new contract yet, but, you know, there'll mm-hmm. still be time oh. after the season, so... You know, we'll see what happens. And then I go back to what I said earlier about Teddy just taking care of the football for the most part. And the offense, I think, has just done a a really nice job of you know getting matchups and spreading the field things like that and just getting the ball into the hands of their playmakers. Robbie Anderson has been an incredible free agent pickup so far. Really has, you know, battled DJ Moore for that number one role. So that's been really fun to see. So uh, yeah, the the offense has been fun to watch so far this season and you're right. It's definitely given a uh, a lot more hope for Panthers fans than what they expected going into the season.
1: Let's jump over to the defensive side of the ball. The New Orleans Saints, uh, you know, have one of the better offensive lines in the NFL. They played very well on the offensive line and in the trenches, despite having to shuffle some positions and some players around Nick Easton right now dealing with a concussion. He did not practice on Wednesday. Teron Armstead also missed a little bit of time here. So, you know, Saints offensive line might be a little bit in question coming into the Sunday game. However, Carolina Panthers, not a lot of sacks on the season, but they are getting pressure what is sort of the strength that if you could if you could sort of talk about the strength of the defense here for Carolina which of those levels would you point out defensive line second level at the linebackers the secondary
0: You know it's, or a, <laughs> it's yeah you know that's it's a it's a tough call but you know the the one level that I look at as the uh the pl- the pleasant surprise for this season has actually been the secondary mm-hmm. you know this was a group that We had some concerns with going into the season, you know, really over the last couple of years, but especially coming into this season, you know, who's going to be the cornerback opposite Dante Jackson? Is it going to be a guy that you know pretty well, Eli Apple? Was it going to be Troy Pride? What was it going to be? Well, here it turns out it's a guy that wasn't even on the roster until a week before the season starts because they claimed him off waivers from the Eagles, and that's Russell Douglas, who has really started to kind of show the potential that Eagles fans – kind of hoped they were going to get from him in Philadelphia and it did not happen and that's why he became one of the final cuts along with uh, Sidney Jones Panthers claim him and immediately he has to see significant snaps because Dante Jackson goes down with an injury week one against the Raiders Eli Apple of course was put on injured reserve before the season started so you're talking Russell Douglas and Troy pride now playing significant snaps in week one and from that point forward Rasul Douglas has played pretty much every snap on defense, even with Dante Jackson coming back from injury, even with Eli Apple coming off injured reserve. Rasul Douglas has been an incredible addition to this Panthers defense. And then the safeties, you know, Trey Boston and Justin Burris, you know, before Justin Burris went down on Sunday and he's now an IR. But those two were providing uh, another tremendous grouping or uh, uh, Tremendous pairing. Justin Burris is one of those guys that kind of flies around the field, you know, showed his versatility in Cleveland. We're showing that again here. And then, I mean, you know, the rookie Jeremy Chin, right? Jeremy Mm -hmm. Chin is just an incredible uh, athlete, flies around the field. You know, he's that hybrid-type player, right? He's the, you know, he's kind of listed as the Sam, but he's more almost like a third safety, you know, sort of that teron matthew type mold i guess we could say or almost like what uh bucks and cardinals fans were hoping dayon buchanan should have been but never really was so those to me have been kind of the 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 big guys you know i like how the defensive line has been playing they've been you know getting some pressures as you said just haven't really been finishing on the quarterback um kwan short of course now being done for the season that that really stings. That that always sucks. This is two years in a row now for him. But Derek Brown has been flashing a little bit. Eto Gross has been flashing a bit, and then Brian Burns just uh, just continues to be a stud. But like I said, I really love the way this secondary has been playing. It's been, you know, quite the pleasant surprise for this defense so far.
1: I love that. You actually hit the other question I was going to ask you, which was just about that defensive line. So why don't we switch it up here? Bill's going to have some questions for me about the New Orleans Saints ahead of this game. Once again, as they locked on crossover Thursday, locked on Saints, locked on Panthers. Very glad to be able to bring it to you. And uh, in just a moment. Bill's going to have some questions for me looking over at the New Orleans Saints for this matchup. Before we get to that, I want to let you know, yes, this football season will be different, but Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. And I'm certainly watching a lot differently than, you know, I think that we all are at this point. However, some Saints fans will get the opportunity to watch the way that they're most comfortable, which is in the Dome, 3,000 fans heading to the Mercedes Superdome for this game. So be loud, make some noise and help shift that momentum. Pepsi is going to be the refreshment, though, whether you're at the game or at home, that you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com and check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi.
0: We are back at you guys, Billy Arsetti, Ross Jackson, crossover Thursday, continue, we're flipping the script, now we're going to talk some Saints, really excited to talk to this because, like I said, always always a pleasure to talk to Ross, so excited to dig into his brain here on the Saints, mm-hmm. Ross. Um, I think the first thing I want to touch on with you, Ross, is um, obviously the, the Saints offense has kind of broken through a little bit over the last couple weeks, they had a sluggish start, have become more explosive over the last couple of weeks. And we finally saw that big game that we were kind of hoping for since week one, really, out of Emmanuel Sanders. You know, what was kind of the issue, if there was any, on why it kind of took Sanders a little bit to to get going here? And, you know, what, what worked against the Chargers that he ended up having that big game?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. I think for the most part, I think for the most part, it is comfort, right? Uh, a new receiver for Drew Brees to target. And I think it got compounded that lack of comfort because Michael Thomas got injured after the first game of the season. And so all of a sudden, you've got Traquan Smith running routes from places that he doesn't usually run routes from, Emmanuel Sanders having to fill roles that he wasn't intending to fill and he wasn't being worked in to fill during the preseason. And so I think that all of that, or, or lack of preseason rather, so I think that all of that sort of factored into issues in spacing, issues in communication, issues in timing issues and understanding in terms of Drew Brees is going to have a very specific expectation of where a player is going to be, right, at any given time. And that's what timing has become so important. He's so used to working with a guy like Michael Thomas where he knows, all right, I'm watching for those shoulders to dip or for the hips to dip, or I'm waiting for him to come out the break on his route. I know his characteristics, all, all of those things. He didn't know any of that with Emmanuel Sanders to start off the season. And then as I mentioned, he got compounded when things started to move around on the offense because they had to figure out ways to produce and work opposite, I'm sorry, without Michael Thomas. Now, ideally for the Saints, Michael Thomas, who actually added a hamstring injury in the injury report this week. So he was limited today coming back to practice, or limited on Wednesday coming back to practice. And so I think that that's something to keep an eye out on. But if you can get both of these guys out on the field at the same time, you might see Drew Brees be a little bit more comfortable with the idea of the chemistry that he's already built with Michael Thomas over the past few years but also the chemistry that we've seen start to land when it comes to Emmanuel Sanders. As Emmanuel Sanders has been able to produce more and more each game, his production has ticked upwards and in the right direction each of these games over the season. And now they've had a bye week and then some to get ready. Usually this team is very prepared coming out of the bye week last year, excluded with the kind of humiliating loss to the Atlanta Falcons uh, at home. And so hopefully they, they don't repeat that history thanks to uh, these guys having sort of their communication and everything ready to go it's where they'll be able to work off of one another and benefit one another as opposed to conflict one another
0: and kind of on that same note um, you know Sanders obviously was the the bigger addition there and kind of the receiver we expected to take a big jump but uh, we've also f- still seen some flashes but not a lot of consistency with traquan Smith and mm-hmm. you know i've been wanting to, see, you know, we're, we're waiting to see when it's going to come, you know, what's going on with Traquan Smith? Is there s- still something there? You know, what, what kind of potential c- can we still see out of him?
1: Yeah, he's somebody that really gave a lot of excitement at the beginning of this season, particularly after, you know, with Michael Thomas missing his first game week two, you saw him put up 86 yards, followed up with a 42 yard performance. And then he came back against Detroit with a 54 yard performance and two touchdowns. And all of a sudden, you got two catches and eight yards out of him against Los Angeles Chargers. So we're right back in the rotation that we've seen with Traquan Smith in the past and so far throughout his career in 2018, 19, and now in 20 to where we're starting to see a little bit of the inconsistencies. However, he's caught 16 passes this year for 194 yards last year. He only caught 18 passes all season for 234. So you're still seeing a better piece of production out of him and a greater rate of production out of him so far this year, catching 76.2% of his passes. So I think that he's still going to become a part of this game plan as the third wide receiver, even when Michael Thomas returns, but you're going to want to see him get back to where he was weeks two, three, and four to where he was averaging just a little bit over what about 50 yards, 60 yards per game. So I think you want to keep him around that area to where he continues to produce for you. It's going to be really interesting to see because the Saints also went run heavy, both against the Detroit Lions and starting off against the Los Angeles Chargers. And so they had to dig themselves out of holes there. But that might still be a bit of the attitude for the Saints to where they're willing to really lean into the run game. And so that might cost some of the production in the receiving game for a guy like Traquan, who would be third down the list, potentially even fourth down the list if you consider Jerry Cook another option on top of him.
0: Mhm. Yeah, absolutely. Um. You mentioned earlier about the the Saints' offensive line, and I agree it's a, a really good one. Um. I'm curious what we've seen so far, if any, out of because I know you mentioned about uh, Nick Easton there, but Cesar Ruiz. You know what's the story with him? Uh, how has he looked? If he if he's gotten any or with you know the playing time he's gotten, um. And really, kind of this whole because I mean, Eric McCoy, one of my favorite. He was a big man crush of mine in, in twenty nineteen. Mm-hmm. So I thought the Saints picked up a really great one. You know, that was a really great value. And Cesar Ruiz, you know, the question, and I think we talked about this earlier, what they could have done with those two guys. So what's been what's been going on with the middle of that offensive line so far?
1: Yeah. So so far, you've seen really good production out of Nick Easton, Andres Pete, and uh, and Eric McCoy. And now, Saints fans, you can hear the collective screams right now of the fact that I said that you've seen a good game, uh, you've seen a good season out of Andre Pete. But Andrews Pete right now is number six in the <laughs> NFL with a 95% pass block win rate according to ESPN. Nick Easton is number eight, and then over when it comes to centers across the NFL, Eric McCoy is number seven, also with a ninety-six percent pass rush win rate. And you're seeing some of those guys pop up in the uh in, in the run block win rate. Section as well. Uh, it, it, so you're starting to see that across this offensive line. So they're, they've been producing pretty well. The big thing when it comes to Caesar Reese is just what you would expect from him, right? He's a rookie coming in, playing a position that he didn't play in college. So there has been a little bit of inconsistency with him. He had a really nice game the first game that he played at right guard, which was the same game that Andrew Speed ended up getting injured in. Now Andrew Speed is back taking over the left guard position. We've seen Nick Easton slide back in as a starter at right guard, but Nick Easton got the concussion, unfortunately, against The Los Angeles Chargers did not practice on Wednesday for the Saints, so they may be trending towards starting Caesar Ruiz there again. I think that the more that you get Caesar Ruiz in there, whether he struggles or not, the better he becomes in the long run because he didn't get a preseason. He didn't get a full training camp to get ready. So he needs these reps if he's going to be your future at that position or at the center position. But it looks like Eric McCoy really has a stranglehold on that center position. And I think that that's best for the Saints if they can get and train Caesar Ruiz up to where he's performing even at the same level as Eric McCoy, whether it be in the pass game or the run game. And they're going to be in a really good place. You've seen some inconsistencies from him. I know Pro Football Focus has graded him mad low. He's in like the 40s or something like that. I don't think that his performance has been that bad, but certainly we've seen some inconsistencies with him, but with more reps and more experience that stuff will start to clear up.
0: Yeah, so good stuff there on the offensive line and you know, obviously we we could talk a little bit here about uh the man himself, Taysom Hill, but I <laughs> do want to—I do want to ask about the defensive line. Though I do gotta—I do want to get this question in, you know, because we expected obviously uh, Cameron Jordan to kind of be the guy. I mean, he still kind of is, but I mean, we're seeing Trey Hendrickson coming out of nowhere this year and being like one of the unsung heroes of this defensive line. What's changed in his game? You know, what's going on with him? What's going on with Marcus Davenport and you know, kind of all these guys that have made you know seemingly taking a lot of pressure off of Cameron Jordan.
1: Yeah, I mean, you look across the defensive line for the Saints, and they have a lot of really good players there right now, and and their rotation has been absolutely insane. Cam Jordan really came alive during the Los Angeles Chargers game. Of course, the Chargers were starting two backups on the right side, but So were the Las Vegas Raiders early on in the season, and we didn't see the Saints or we didn't see Cam Jordan or really the Saints defensive line produce at the level that we saw last week where they racked up 31 pressures, uh, according to Pro Football Focus. So they've played very well here over the last couple of weeks. Marcus Davenport was a huge benefit getting him back last year. I'm sorry, last uh, the last game. He wasn't on the injury report for once this season, so that's fantastic. You do expect him to play on Sunday as long as he can keep that going. Uh, but Trey Hendrickson, man, I'll tell you what has changed for Trey Hendrickson is he's got a contract to negotiate after this season. I-, I have no doubt about that. He has already hit his season total in sacks last year with four and a half already in this season. He has been outstanding and he's also just gotten a lot more opportunities because Marcus Davenport hasn't been out. You know, I'm, I'm obviously being a little bit specious when I talk about the contract, although I do think that it's a motivating factor. But when you look at the fact that he's just gotten more opportunities this season with Marcus Davenport out, and then Marcus Davenport only playing 20 snaps in his return last week. I think that that's one of the big things is that Trey Hendrickson's always been talented as a pass rusher. He's he's lacked a little bit in the run game, except for this season he's performed well there, but he's just got now the opportunities. And so it's a whole thing about success is when preparation meets opportunity. He had the opportunity, he's had four years of preparation, and so you're seeing the success. (laughs)
0: no absolutely good stuff and of course i'd be remiss if i don't uh and and i say this with love this kind of pop shot but of course chauncey gardner johnson has been outstanding for the saints and i know there's still a lot of panthers fans out there that are playing the uh woulda coulda should have game with him in uh in the fourth round but i imagine he's still playing top notch back there in that secondary
1: i mean the best evaluation i can give you of cjgj is that he is playing so well that he made Michael Thomas punch him at practice. I mean
0: the,
1: like what true. more what more could you want right from the safety that you know can get under people's skin that you know can, you know, get get people riled up and that can make plays and hang with the best. He shows that he hang that he's hanging with the best and 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 we love him for it. I mean, he's been he has been really
0: outstanding for the Saints so far this season. Still can't believe he lasted to the fourth round. It's wild. But a lot of good stuff there, man. Really, really appreciate it. I think it's going to be a fun game on Sunday here.
1: Yeah, I think so too. Uh, Saints opening up at minus seven and a half. I'm not taking that line for the life of me. I'm going to wait and see how the Saints perform here. Because I think that either we're going to come out. I think it's it's true for both these teams. These teams are either going to come out with a lot of questions answered or a lot more questions to answer depending upon how they perform this weekend. All right, Huda Nation, that is our crossover Thursday episode Locked on Saints, Locked on Panthers for you. Should be a good game this Sunday, and we'll talk more about it tomorrow. We'll dig a little bit deeper with our Film Watch Friday, taking a look at what it is that the Panthers have been doing so far this season and where the Saints might be able to take advantage over on the offensive and defensive sides. As always, I appreciate you all for coming through. Once again, I'm Ross Jackson. You can follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing, let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're moming them. Tell your friends, family, and fellow Saints fans about the show. And if you haven't already, please take a moment to subscribe, drop that five-star rating and review. I thank you so much for all your support and for helping me grow this family. This has been Locked on Saints and trust you, that nation. I'll holla at you.